Good morning, everyone. And uh, yeah, you know, Pastor Paul, uh, he, he said a lot. And, uh, you know, the one thing uh, it, I, I'll just, you know, admit is, uh, you know, I said no a, a bunch of times. So <laughs> he, uh, he has uh, pursued this. And, um, you know, uh, I do appreciate actually what what Danny said uh, in, in his prayer. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if, if he's talked to Pastor Paul, but, you know, the, I think the spirit does move us. And um, uh, the fact that he mentioned royal priesthood in his prayer is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a blessing. So uh, with that, I'm gonna, yeah, I've, Spent some time, uh, you know, writing this past week. I've written a lot. <laughs> I know that um, when I shared my uh, that I was going to speak today uh, on Sunday, I think the only comment they, they gave me was keep it under 20 minutes. We can do here. Okay. Um, so the all right, let's start. Um, for most of us, being part of Forest Community Church and also participating in house church means there are many people that we are praying for on a daily, weekly basis. Do you have a list of prayer requests that you go through as you pray? Are you asked to pray for other people that you may know or may not know so well? Is it easier to pray for someone who is close to you that you know personally, or is it easier to pray for someone that you don't know as well? As for me, I sometimes do feel like I'm repeating a generic prayer for a reg on a regular basis, especially when I don't know the person too well. Is lifting up someone that you pray for code for saying, I really don't know what's going on with the person in detail? but I'm remembering them as I'm praying to you, Lord. Do you have a different set of prayers for different groups of people, like direct family, house church family, FCC family, other ch general church family or VIPs? What is most important, I do believe, is that no matter how we pray, the act of prayer is the most important thing we can do in our walk with God. This is how we communicate with God. And to acknowledge that we need God daily is a reminder that we are indeed connected to him. And as I mentioned, praying for others can be challenging for me. I sometimes feel the same prayer for each person every day. In my field of work, it's really hard to be original or novel. When it comes to basic designs and optimization of products, there is a lot of engineering that has already been done. It's hard to come up with something new. You often find yourself referring back to what was done in the past to get a better understanding of what, you can, what can be updated or modified for improvement. So in similar fashion with prayer, I do believe that we have some key prayers that we can remember and refer to for guidance. I think we can say that we have the original design of some key prayers 
that Jesus our Lord, the original designer, recited to his disciples for, and for us. We don't really have many accountings of actual prayers that Jesus recited publicly, but there are two which are very impactful and necessary for us Christians to reflect upon. The first prayer, which is captured in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, is, um, I think, much more familiar to us. The disciples were taught by Jesus on how to pray. We all know this prayer. And uh, why? Yes, it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And we recite it every week as part of the closing benediction each Sunday at FCC worship. The other prayer, which is re referred to as Jesus's high priestly prayer, is from the Gospel of John 17. Here we become witness to Jesus's most extensive and profound prayer. It gives us insight on how Jesus prayed and also how much he prayed for his disciples and the world. I think this prayer gives to us the insight of why we pray. We can see his concerns for his disciples and the message of the gospel that they will carry forward to the world, the church. We can also, and us to be one, united in spirit, as God the Father and God the Son were one. With this prayer captured by John, Jesus gives the final message to his disciples and also to the world before he is arrested. Note in John's gospel, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane during the early morning before his arrest is not mentioned as accounted in Mark 15 and other gospels. John remembers Jesus's priestly prayer as the last thing spoken by Jesus before going to the cross. Today, I would like to go through John chapter 17 with you. When I read this prayer, I think about the disciples, what the disciples may have thought as they had witnessed Jesus teaching and then, and then firsthand listened to how Jesus prayed for them. Jesus prayed this prayer late in the night at the upper room after having their Passover feast, the last supper together. He prayed knowing this would be the last time they would be together before going to the cross. Jesus has spent his whole time in ministry revealing the glory of God. And now the cross and the resurrection would be the final act. And he wanted Jesus to know, he wanted his disciples to know that they too belonged in God's kingdom. Through him, he wanted to encourage them by letting them know that they will be with him in eternity and they will be his witnesses to God's glory to all who believe him, in him in faith. And that's us too. And we will all be together in spirit as one church, as God the Father and God the Son are one. And with that, the text, um, the text today comes from Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through, 1 through 26. Listen now to the word of the Lord. After Jesus said this, 
he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed you, that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I, well, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me. None have been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them, within them. I have given them your word, and the world, world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, as I, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the, by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that, that, they may too, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, know the world does not know you. I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. As we review this prayer of Jesus, let's remember that it can be a guide to how we pray. 
for our fellow FCC and our house church members, including Pastor Paul, as well as our VIPs and Universal Church. I've tried to break down this prayer into three main parts. First part is verses one through five. God the Father is glorified through Jesus the Son. Second part, verses six through 19, is the disciples are glorified through Jesus. And then the last part is we are glorified through Jesus, verses 20 to 26. So going back to the first part, God the Father glorified through Jesus the Son. This is verses one through five. Jesus began his prayer with a petition for the glorification of the Father. Jesus begins by acknowledging the present circumstances. It is now finally time to finish the work that he came to do, showing the love of God in person, now going to the cross to bear the full sins of the world and releasing us from all of its bonds. And then to show the world all of God's glory through the resurrection. His purpose was not to show his singular glory as just Jesus the man, but instead through his action of love and grace, reveal the true glory of God the Father. Verse one is a statement that God the Father and God the Son are united and together. They are the same. The purpose of the son asking for glory is not to raise himself up, but rather it is to bring glory back to the father. Jesus continues by expressing the glorification of God through him, and thus he, Jesus, has authority over all people, all flesh. And most importantly, he is the giver of eternal life for all people, which is through God's grace. And eternal life for all of us is knowing the one and only true God revealed to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Eternal life means an everlasting restored relationship with God. And it means participating in life with God and enjoying his good joy and goodness. Jesus went, was sent to show the full glory of God, and he has authority from the beginning. He was with God the Father when the fullness of God's glory was manifested through the creation of all heaven and earth. Jesus' request for glorification is not the same as what we would expect when seeking glory. It is also important to note that glorification of God the Father was not a one-time singular act for Jesus, the Son of God. Rather, his entire life on earth, from baby to now, you know, at the Passover feast, was an expression of God's full glory on earth. This glory is characterized in his full ministry, which displayed miracles, healings, love, passion, forgiveness, and his truth. Glorification on earth was finished with his death on the cross and his resurrection. Jesus knows that he will go to, go to the cross 
and die for our sins. The cross is the culmination of how Jesus, the Son of God, exemplified and showed in every step of his life on earth the Father's glory by manifesting his characteristic gracious love. In death, he revealed most profoundly the ultimate act of God's love in human form, laying down one's life. And with this act of love, his death, resurrection, and ascension, and, and ascension returns Jesus to where he began, beside the Father in full glory. Why is it important for his disciples to see Jesus' glory? It communicates the power of Jesus, who is the Son of God, and one with God the Father. And with his glory, he has authority over all of creation. And he has the authority to give eternal life to all who believe in him. In the second part, the disciples are glorified through Jesus. I've broken that in, into two sections, uh, verses 6 through 11. And Jesus prays for his disciples gathered around him by first describing their situation and revealing his desire for them in verse 11. Protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Here Jesus prays for the protection of his disciples and reveals his desire for them. God, his glory and his name have been revealed to the world. And the disciples know that everything from Jesus has come from God the Father. They acknowledge that Jesus is the my Lord and my God which Thomas recount, uh, declares of Yahweh in John 20. The word of God, the truth was revealed to the disciples and they have accepted them. Again, they know with certainty that Jesus is son of God, the Messiah who has come to re restore the relationship between God and each of us. And because the disciples believe God's glory is revealed through them in Jesus. Even though Jesus will leave the world to go to the Father, the disciples with the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal the truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is the gospel of the good news to the world. Jesus prays for the disciples to be one as God the Father and God the Son are one. The relationship that Jesus is praying for with his disciple and us as well is that they are united in the spirit. One body under Jesus Christ, our head, each part with the same purpose and same goal. Spread good news of Jesus, reveal the good glory of Jesus. And then Jesus continues praying for his disciples that they protected and sanctified by God in verses 12 through 19. Jesus protected his disciples and kept them safe from the world and the evil one. 
Jesus not only provided physical protection for the disciples, more importantly, he protected their hearts and their faith in Jesus. All of the way, especially to the cross, the disciples would be confused about who Jesus was and what his purpose was supposed to be on earth, as well as their purpose. The resurrection faith that was implanted with the resurrection of Lazarus in John 11 and all of the other teachings would reveal the true message of Jesus. With God's word revealed to them, his truth, that Jesus is Lord, he is Messiah. The disciples are now transformed. They have the resurrection faith that Jesus planted in their hearts. Their view of the world has changed. They are no longer citizens of the world, but of heaven. They belong to God's family now and forever. They are protected from the evil one. They will not be lost. Jesus prays also for the disciples to be sanctified in accordance with God's truth, his word. He prays that they would be sanctified or made holy, that they would be kept pure and set apart for God's use. Jesus declared that he is sanctified from the world, and so too are his disciples sanctified. The world will promote evil through error and deception. Jesus prays that the disciples will be separated from the world through his truth. In this act, Jesus acknowledges that he is now the high priest of the church. He is the intercessor between God, the Father, and the disciples, and us, his people. Because the disciples have God's truth, they are set apart and sent into the world, just as Jesus was from verse 18. The disciples become the presence of God's light, bearing witness to his love and offering his life in the midst of the world. They share in the very life of God, in the Son of God, through the Spirit of God. And thus, they do the work of God as Jesus has done. Revealing God's love and life and light. In this way, all three aspects of sanctification are evident. One, they are set apart to enter God's presence. Indeed, to have his presence enter them. They are commissioned, two, they are commissioned for holy service. And three, they constitute the holy people of God, restored Israel, who are distinct from all others in the world because of the divine presence. In the last section, verses 20 through 26, we are glorified through Jesus. In the last part of his prayer, Jesus prays for all who will become believers through the witness of the 11, that they may share in the divine oneness. And Jesus highlights the relationship between the Father and the Son. So that all believers may be one as we are one. Looking ahead, Jesus prays for the world as he acknowledges that the disciples bear witness to God in his way. Jesus prays with expectation that his disciple, the disciples will expand, expand his glory to all witnesses through their good news message. 
they will produce followers of God, just as Jesus has done. So in the same prayer theme with his disciples, Jesus prays for all who believe in him through the witness of the 11. His ultimate purpose in, this, in his request is that all may be one. So in turn, the world may believe and know that the Father sent the Son, Jesus. Jesus prays for all Christians to be one as God the Father and God the Son are one. The relationship that Jesus is praying for with us, all believers, is to be united in spirit as one body under Jesus Christ our head with the same purpose so that we will see his glory. Jesus' prayer for the church is that we see his glory. The glory of the Son has been given to us through the disciples. We also bear witness to Jesus' death and resurrection. We are also presented with his glory to his people as manifestation of God's presence in our lives. God's glory is, in some way, the radiance or shining of his presence his essential nature. And as believers of his truth, Jesus then adds the request that all believers may be with him in heaven to see the fullness of his glory in verse 24. We can also refer to John 14, 1 through 3, where Jesus has prepared a place for us. We should all look forward to when we will sit with God at his table. He concludes with a summary of the past, his past and future work. I have made your name known to them and will continue to make you known. As Jesus started his prayer, Jesus understands that his death on the cross would not be the end of God's glory. Rather, his resurrection and his witness ensures that all of the world will know the name of the Father and the Son. Jesus concludes with confidence, knowing the good news has been propagated through his disciples and all of the believers that will follow, which includes us. Through the love and glory of Jesus, we will continue to make God's name be known. So it's now after Easter, we acknowledge that the work of Jesus and his resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit is done. And when we pray today, we can pray like Jesus, like we can pray like Jesus did for his disciples and the church in John 17. We can pray for God's word, God's truth, and God's glory to be revealed in us and others. We can pray for each of us and our church to be sanctified from the world and be united as one. We can bear witness to the message of Christ. Jesus as the high priest intervenes on behalf of God for his disciples. First then disciples first, and then all of us believers that follow because of the good news delivered from through him to his disciples and then to us. We too can pray this prayer because we too are glorified through Jesus Christ and the love through his spirit 
is upon us. And we are sanctified because Jesus was sanctified. In similar fashion, as the high priests were anointed to take on the priestly duties, Jesus looked toward God to be glorified. He already knew his position of authority with God the Father, but he proclaimed this to his disciples to show his authority. Jesus wanted his disciples and the world to know that he had the authority to pray this prayer for them, to intervene on our behalf, to protect us from sin and guilt, to sanctify us and make us holy, to give us his glory. When you have time, uh, read through Exodus 29. This chapter describes what God desired for the consecration of Aaron and his sons, and his sons to be priests. They became the go-betweens for the sacrifices made to God on behalf of the people. Even then, there were limitations with the priests because of their own sin that made going to God a very precarious event. Going into the Holy of Holies to administer the one year, once a year sacrifice meant risking your life if God saw the priest as unholy. But Jesus gets past all of this. He gives God the glory once and for all at the cross. The veil in the temple was torn and no longer needed. With this act of unfathomable grace through Jesus, we now can act as the high priest on behalf of God. We can pray and intercede for others through Jesus. The prayer that Jesus prayed can become our prayer through Jesus. I wanna, con I wanna conclude with uh, a couple of uh, texts. Uh, one is from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 10. And um, I think this is familiar with a lot of you. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now that you, you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When you go to prayer, God in prayer, pray knowing that you when we receive Jesus into our heart, we too become part of his priestly family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And with this confidence, 
we too can pray like Jesus did for his disciples and all of those who followed after hearing the good news. Pray, pray like the high priest over your family, your house church, and FCC, and our community beyond, unified together with Jesus Christ, our head. Pastor Paul shared um, another quote I liked, um, and, uh, and this is to know that we are one in the same way that Jesus, the Father, are one. This quote is from uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch. It was his final exhortation to the early churches on his way to martyrdom. The most wonderful thing is unity with Jesus and with the Father. In Jesus, we shall partake in God if we firmly resist and flee all the arrogant attacks of the prince of this world. Unity of prayer, unity of supplication, unity of mind, unity of expectancy and love and in blameless joy. This is Jesus Christ, and there is nothing greater than he. Flock together, all of you, as to one temple of God, as to one altar, to one Jesus Christ, who proceeded from the one Father, who is the one and returned to the one. Let's, uh, let's conclude with a prayer. Father God, Jesus Christ has revealed you to those whom you gave him out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to him, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given him comes from you. For he gave them the words you gave him, and they accepted him. They, cert they knew with certainty that he came from you and they believe that you sent him. Jesus protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave him. Jesus, our Lord, has come to you now. But he said these things while he was still in the world, so that they may have full measure of his joy within them. You sanctified them by the truth. Your word is truth and you have sent them into the world. He sent them into the world. For them, he sanctified himself that they too may truly be sanctified. His prayer was not for the disciples alone. He prays also for those who will believe in him through their message, that all of us may be one. Father, just as you are in him, and he is in you. May they also be in the Son and the Father, so that the world may believe that you have sent him. He has given us the glory that you gave him, that they may be one as the Son and the Father are one. Jesus in us and you in him, so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent him and have loved us even as you love him. Father, Jesus wants those you have given him to be with him where he is. 
and to see his glory, the glory you have given him because you loved him before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, he knows you, and we know that you have sent him. He has made you known to us and he and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for him may be in us and that he through the spirit may be in us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.